Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, January 13th. I want to draw your attention to a page on the Daily Audio Torah website. Click on the Connect Pick on the navigation menu and connect with us through our newsletter, Israel on Target and War Room Report. What do we cover? Israel on Target, we give you the top news stories coming from Israel each week with scriptures to pray over Israel. War Room Report, wake up. The world is at war. It is an unconventional war. It is a cultural war. It is a communications and media war. It is a political war. It is an economic war. It is an ideological war. It is a war for your mind and thoughts. And at the deepest level, it is also a spiritual war between light and darkness, between good and evil, between Yehovah and Satan. We need intel to pray strategically. That is the purpose of the War Room Report, to give the intel you need so you can successfully fight the spiritual war with power and precision. We share practical knowledge, truth, and facts you won't find in the mainstream media world. What do we cover in the War Room Report? All things COVID, resources and remedies, big tech censorship, Israel and the Middle East, where the hot war will most likely start, Deep State Globalist Agenda, the folks in the shadows pulling the strings, election fraud and ongoing forensic audits, CCP infiltration into America. Go to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Connect Pick in the navigation menu, then subscribe to our letter. It goes out two to three times a month. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week, we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shemot, and it means numbers. Exodus 4, 18-31 Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, Let me go back to my kinsmen in Egypt and see how they are faring. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Hashem said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who sought to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, mounted them on a donkey, and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of Hashem with him. And Hashem said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see 
that you perform before Pharaoh all the marvels that I have put within your power. I, however, will stiffen his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says Hashem, Israel is my firstborn son. I have said to you, Let my son go, that he may worship me. Yet you refuse to let him go. Now I will slay your firstborn son. At a night encampment on the way, Hashem encountered him and sought to kill him. So Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched his legs with it, saying, You are truly a bridegroom of blood to me. And when he let him alone, she added, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Hashem said to Abraham, Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. He went and met him at the mountain of Hashem, and he kissed him. Moses told Aaron about all the things that Hashem had committed to him, and all the signs about which he had instructed him. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Abraham repeated all the words that Hashem had spoken to Moses, and he performed the signs in the sight of the people. And the people were convinced when they heard that Hashem had taken note of the Israelites and that he had seen their plight, they bowed low in homage. Matthew 9, 18-38 While he, Yeshua, spoke these things to them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. And Yeshua arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him, and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Yeshua turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Yeshua came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said to them, Give place, for the maid is not dead but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the famed Hira went abroad into all that land. And when Yeshua departed thence, two blind men followed him, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Yeshua said to them, Believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Yeshua straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knows it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke. 
And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out devils through the prince of devils. And Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Psalm 11, 1-7 In the Lord I put my trust. How say you, my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that love violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Today I want to speak to you from the proverb that we concluded with. And let's just take a moment and read it one more time. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Have you ever been through a correction or a chastening of the Lord? If you've walked with him for any length of time, most of us have. And no correction feels good at the time, but is painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And that's from Hebrews 12. So I'll just share with you a time when I was going through a correction from the Lord. And often these corrections happen through our own bad choices. We make some bad decisions, perhaps before we're even born again, and then we're left with those decisions and the consequences of those decisions, and it's just the natural consequences of all these decisions that we've made that were very poor decisions. So for me, the chastening and and the correction of the Lord came initially when I first was saved. And... Actually, it was early on in my walk 
I was in a very shaky marriage. It was foundering, and um, my ex-husband kept on making threats of divorcing me, and I ran away and didn't want to deal with being served with divorce papers. We reconciled after a few weeks, and I returned back home, and we continued to remain married for just a couple of years. And I believe that that was God's grace on my life. Um, he, He... wanted me to be able to grow and sink some roots and get a little bit more established in the faith because I was just a newbie. So after a couple of years, the ultimate separation happened and my ex-husband ran off with the secretary, disappeared with her, and she was about 10, 15 years younger than him. And at the time, I was seven months pregnant with our third child. So. It was like the floor dropped out underneath my feet, and it was just horrible. It was the most one of the most traumatic incidences I've ever been through in my whole life. I had a five-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter, and I was seven months pregnant, and my husband was whereabouts unknown, off with the secretary. And I didn't want to eat. I, I was just in shock. And finally, when it became clear to me, when he sent me a Dear John letter saying, go on with your life and don't wait for me, it became clear that we were done. And as much as I wanted to pray and ask the Lord to restore our marriage, it it just wasn't happening. So for uh, I packed everything up. I had nothing in Florida, no, no friends, no family, no church. Everything I knew was back on the West Coast. So I packed everything up in a U-Haul truck. And being seven months pregnant with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, I drove. It took me 10 days to get all the way across the country with this U-Haul truck. Drove all the way back from Florida, all the way back to the Pacific Northwest, to the Olympia, Washington area, where I had a, a mobile home that I could move back into, and a little car, and I could rebuild my life. So from there, the divorce proceeded, and I eventually was served with divorce papers, and and it rolled out. And I remember I went into a deep, deep depression for a long time. It took a couple of years to come out of the depression. And I remember thinking as the divorce crystallized and proceeded and began to roll out, I remember kind of getting this picture of what I was feeling on the inside. And what I saw in the spirit was a picture of Hiroshima or Nagasaki, that when you look at those pictures of the total devastation of Hiroshima after the nuclear bomb went off, there was nothing left standing. And all the buildings were taken down and it's just nothing but rubble. And that is exactly how I felt on the inside, that my life had been completely destroyed and there was nothing but rubble. And in the process of the unrolling of that divorce, um, my ex-husband, because he was self-employed and he ran a veterinary business and uh, he'd run up quite a few bills with his creditors, he filed bankruptcy. So then all those creditors began to go after me. And it wasn't my business. Those were not my bills. So I really had no choice. I had to file for bankruptcy also. 
And again, it was just one devastation upon another, upon another, upon another. And it was just a total taking my life and turning it upside down. And I can look back on that now. It happened a long time ago, about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And I can see it was the Lord allowing me to go through a correction. The pride had to go. The flesh had to go. And also the fact that I had married someone, and when I married him, I was not born again at that time. I was young and dumb and stupid and just made a worldly carnal decision. He was not a Christian. He was not a born-again believer, and neither was I. And so I was now reaping the consequences of the decisions that I had made. And it took years to rebuild my life. And I suffered a lot over those years because I was a single mom now of three children and did not get child support for most of those years. So I had to go out and get a job and work and work very hard to supply the needs of the family for all those years. And so I was reaping consequences of some bad choices and bad decisions. And I deeply regretted those decisions. But it was the Lord's correction. He was getting me onto a different path. I was on the wide road of destruction, and he wanted to get me onto the narrow road which leads to life, and few people find it. But it took a tremendous amount of correction and chastening from the Lord to get me onto that narrow road that few people find. And so I'm sharing this because it kind of gives you an example of how does the Lord correct and chasten his people? Well, I've shared with you some personal experiences of how he did it with me. He works through circumstances, and often it's the consequences of the choices that we've made that we then have those circumstances that are, in his way, a sledgehammer. It can be a gentle correction, or it can be a major, major correction. So now, all these years later, uh, if I ever do get into a a committed relationship, you better believe I'm going to make sure that that person that I might walk with as a partner is a strong, committed believer. I do not want to become unequally yoked. Been there, done that, doesn't feel good. (laughs) Now, the Lord can certainly bless marriages that where one partner is a believer and the other one isn't, where they're unequally yoked. There can certainly be a blessing there, of course. But I, I go along with what Paul says, and that is, you know, in whatever state you find yourself, stay in that state. Are, when you get saved, are you married? Stay married. When you get saved, are you single? Stay single. And Paul said, in my opinion, you're happier if you remain single. Because when you get married, you end up with all kinds of problems because you're focused on trying to please your partner And, you know, you don't have the same amount of time and focus and energy and dedication to be focused on serving the Lord. 
And I have to agree with him that that is true. So anyway, when the Lord begins to bring chastening or correction in your life, do not kick against the goads. Allow the correction and the chastening. Yield to it. Humbly submit yourself to God. Repent of any sin that you may have committed. And sometimes the correction comes because it's not that you that have sinned, but someone else is sinning, is in the process of sinning against you. So in that case, we are commanded to forgive and not hold it against them and keep a record of wrongs or a record of offenses. I have to say, Yeshua is the best husband you could ever have. He's the best. He's the provider. He's the best friend, the best companion. Uh, There's an intimacy and a blessing and an anointing, a comfort, a peace, a strength that you receive from him if you are a single person. He is wonderful. And if you're married, he's still very wonderful. And he becomes the third strand of a three-stranded cord that is not easily broken. But do not resist when the chastening and the correction of the Lord comes into your life. Allow the correction to go forth. And there's a tremendous blessing that comes, a harvest of righteousness that comes later on. And why does the Lord correct and rebuke us and chasten us? Because he loves us. It's because he loves us. And this is why he disciplines us. Now, there's one other area that I want to touch upon with the same concept of the Lord's chastening and correction in our life. And that is, what do we do if we have adult children and perhaps they have wandered away from the Lord And we see the hand of God working in their life, and they are being chastened, and they are being corrected. This is a really tough one, because no parent likes to see their child going through pain and suffering. And our innate human side wants to go in there and comfort them and fix the problem and protect them from pain and suffering. And I have seen this in my own life with actually two of my three children, where tremendous pain and suffering was going on with my daughter. And at a certain point, I had, I did have to step in and assist her and, and help her. She needed help, some practical assistance and support and help with what she was going through. Um, So there's a time, perhaps, to step in and assist and support, and then there's a time to step back and step away. Now I see another one of my children going through some pain and suffering, and I'm I'm hearing from the Lord and sensing, do not step in. I'm dealing with him. Don't interfere with how I am dealing with him. And so the best thing that you can do in that kind of a situation is to pray to pray passionately, to pray that the Lord would work through circumstance for your child, that they would 
come to that place of I'm at the end of my rope, I'm at the end of myself, life is not working, I'm going to cry out to you, Yeshua, and ask you to come into my life. And that's what we want to see is we want to see our kids be saved. We want to see them have a right relationship with the father by knowing his son, by having a relationship with his son. And so sometimes what that takes is, you know, the Lord might try to get our attention, you know, to get us off that road of destruction and get us onto that narrow road of life by tapping us on the shoulder. And if we respond to that tap on the shoulder, great, we'll do that 180 and start walking the opposite direction towards the the kingdom of God. But sometimes if we ignore him, then he has to drop a couple of bricks from heaven um, and it hits us on the head. And, And that's what it took for me personally in my own salvation experience. It took a couple of bricks hitting me on the head to get my attention. And when I was in a lot of pain, that's when I yielded. That's when I surrendered. That's when I said, okay, I give up. I want you, Lord, to be the driver of my life. I want you to be in charge. So sometimes the Lord is dealing with our kids, our grown kids, trying to get their attention and orchestrating through circumstances um, to bring about some pain or suffering to get their attention so that they will yield, so that they will repent. And sometimes the very best thing that we can do as parents is to be quiet, stay out of the way, and pray in our closet as we see the Lord's hand working. That's the best we can do is just pray and let God be God. Let him be sovereign. Let him be uh, have his way. So that's the last thought I wanted to share with you. And have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>